Our Old Testament passage today again picks up in that beautiful book of Nehemiah. Chapter 10, verse 1. On the seals are the names of the Nehemiah the governor, the sons of Hakaliah, Zechariah, Saraiah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malkajah, Hatush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Harim, Meramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginathan, Baruch, Mashalam, Abijah, Majamin, Maziah, Belgai, Shemaiah. These are the priests. And of the Levites, Jeshua, the son of Azaniah, Binui, of the sons of Anad and Kadmiel, and their brothers, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kalita, Pelaiah, and Hanan, Mika, Rohab, Hashbabiah, Zachar, Sarabiah, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Bani, Binua, the chief of the peoples, Parush, Bahath Moab, Elam, Zatu, Bani, Buni, Azgad, Babai, Adonijah, Bigvah, Adin, Atir, Hezekiah, Azur, Hodiah, Hashem, Bazai, Herapath, Hanahoth, Nabai, Magpaash, Meshulam, Hazir, Meshazabel, Zadok, Jadua, Pelasiah, Hanan, Ananiah, Hosiah, Hananiah, Hashbub, Halohash, Pilha, Shobek, Rahum, Hashhabna, Hash, Masaiah, Ahia, Hanan, Hanan, Anan, Malak, Harem, Benana. Whew, big long list. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, all right, separated themselves from to. That's the, that's the law of separation. There's always a from and a to. There's never a from and then voila. There's always a from and to. Join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his rules and statutes. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of this land or take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. Wow. Okay, so they're going to no intermarriage. People of God stay people of God. They're going to honor the Sabbath. We also, oh, and we will forego the crops on the seventh year and the exactation of every debt. So honor the total Sabbath, not just the Sabbath on the weekly basis, but Shabbat for the land and Shabbat for debts. We will also take on ourselves an obligation or the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. Okay, this is the temple tax. This is to maintain the temple. For showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Shabbats, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the work of the house of our God. So this would be a designated offering every member of Israel gave every year to take care of the temple. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have likewise cast our lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of God according to our Father's house. Father's houses. There's a wood offering because they have to do these burnt offerings. At appointed year by year. 
to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of the ground and the first fruits of every, of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Okay, so first fruits go to God's house. Now, I, I stress that because there's many preachers that do these first fruit offerings and the first fruit goes to the pastor, but the first fruits here went to the house of God. And also to bring to the house of God to the priests. Now, all right, here's for the priests who minister in the house of the Lord, the firstborn of our sons, our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and flocks. And to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree and wine and oil, to the priests, to the chambers to the, of the house of God. And to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all of our towns where we labor. All right, so tithing during foreign kings. So these foreign kings taxed the people and they still brought their tithe to God's house. Now, the reason I say that is there are some people that like to run around and say, you know, the tithe has been replaced by government taxes. Well, obviously not. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithe. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithe to the house of God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil into the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. Now, this goes back to Numbers 18. The tithe of the tithe. Notice, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Even in the middle of foreign occupation, we will not neglect the house of our God. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. Now why? Please forgive me, folks, but living outside of the city of Jerusalem, you could have your chickens, you could have your, your livestock, you could have your vegetables. It, it was much nicer life than living in a dirty, broken down city that just got its walls rebuilt, okay? Much harder life in the city. And even today in our own beloved nation, we have to be honest, the reason we like to go to the province during holidays is life is so much nicer in the province than it is in the city. It's always harder in the city. And the people blessed all the men who were willing, who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem because this was not considered a nice thing to do. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his own property. The inheritance is still maintained from the time of Moses. The priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived a certain of the sons of Judah and of the sons of Benjamin. Of the sons of Judah, Athaliah, the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Shephathiah, the son of Mahalal, of the sons of Perez. Of Maasiah, the son of Baruch, the son of Kolhazah, the son of Haziah, the son of Adiah, the son of Joarib, the son of Zechariah, the son of Shilonit. Of the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. 
And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshulam, the son of Joed, the son of Pedadiah, the son of Kolaiah, the son of Masasiah, the son of Etel, the son of Jeshiah, and of his brothers, men of valor, 928. Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer, and Judah, the son of Hasanua, was second over the city. Of the priests, Jediah, the son of Jorib, Jachin, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Ahitab, the ruler of the house of God. Now, he, this is the guy who's in charge of the temple. And of their brothers who did the work of the house, 822, Adiah, the son of Joram, the son of Belaliah, the son of Amzi, the son of Zechariah, the son of Pashur, the son of Machaljah, and of his brothers, the heads of his father's house, 242. And Amashat, the son of Azrael, the son of Azeah, the son of Mishlamoth, the son of Emir. And of their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. Their overseer was Zabdil, the son of Hagulim, and of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashdub, the son of Azkram, the son of Hashbabiah, the son of Buni, and Shabbatah, and Jezobad, the, the chief of the Levites, who were over the outside work of the house of God. So that's everything outside, and the other guy was inside. So this guy is inside, these guys are outside. So there is a delegation of responsibilities. And Mathaniah, the son of Mikri, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, who was a leader of the praise, the leader of the praise, and gave thanks. And Bakbukiah, the second among his brothers, Abda, the son of Shamoah, the son of Galal, the son of Jethuthun. All the Levites in the holy city were 284. The gatekeepers, Akub, Talmon, and their brothers who kept watch at the gates were 172. And the rest of Israel and of the priests and the Levites were in all the towns of Judah, everyone in his inheritance, in his inheritance. All right. Since Moses, the people of Israel knew what land belonged to their family. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me today if there were some of those old Orthodox Jews who had figured out, based on genealogy, who's supposed to own what land even today. Now, they don't divide the land that way. Everybody has to go and buy a piece of property today in Jerusalem. But, you know, I bet some of those old Orthodox guys have this all worked out. But the temple servants lived on Ophel, and Zehah and Geshbat were over the temple servants. The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, the son of Hashbabiah, the son of Methaniah, the son of Mikri, and the sons of Asaph, the singers over the work of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them, and a fixed provision for the singers as every day required. And Pethahiah, the son of Meshabel, of the sons of Zerah, the sons of Judah, was at the king's side in all matters concerning the people. As for the villages, with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kiriath Abra and its villages, and in Dibon and its villages, and Jacobazel and its villages, and in Jeshua, and in Molada, and in Bethpalet in Hazar Shaul, in Beersheba and its villages, in Ziklag and Mekonah and its villages, in En-Rimon and in Zorah and in Jermuth, in Zanoah, Adulam and their villages, Lachish and its villages, Azkah and its villages, and so they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived from Giba onward, and at Mishmash, Ahazah, Bethel and its villages, and Athoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazor, Ramath, Gitiam, Hadid, Zeboim, 
Nebalat, Lod, Ono, the Valley of Craftsmen. <laughs> and certain division of the Levites were assigned to Benjamin. Chapter 12, verse 1. We have a lot of names to read, but then we'll get to some really cool stuff here in a minute. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hatush, Shekaniah, Rahum, Meramoth, Edo, Gennethoi, Abijah, Majamin, Maadiah, Belgah, Shemaiah, Jorib, Jedediah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, Jedediah. These are the chiefs of the priests and their brothers in the days of Jeshua. And of the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Kadmiel, Serabiah, Judah, and Methaiah, who were with his brothers in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. Now, what a cool job. My job is to be in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. I like that. Bekoboiah and Uni and their brothers stood opposite them in service. And Joshua was the father of Joachim, Joachim the father of Elishib, Elishib the father of Joadiah, Joadiah the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan the father of Jadua. And in the days of Jehoiakim were priests, heads of their father's houses, Sariah, Beraiah of Jeremiah, Hananiah of Ezra, Meshulam or Amariah, Jehonan of Melokai, Jonathan and Sarabiah, Joseph of Harim, Adna and Merioth, Helkai, of Edo, Zechariah, of Ginnithon, Meshulam, of Abijah, Zikri, of Manimin, of Morodiah, Piltai, of Bilgna, Shamuah, of Shemaiah, Jonathan, of Jerib, Methanai, of Jedediah, Uzi, of Shelai, Kalai, of Amok, Eber, of Hilkiah, Abishiah, of Jedediah, Nathaniel. And in the days of Elishib, Jodiah, Jonan, and Jadu, the priests were recorded as the heads of their father's house. So too were the priests in the reign of Dairus the Mede. As for the sons of Levi, the heads of fathers' houses were written in the book of Chronicles until the days of Jonathan, the son of Elishib. Verse 24. And the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Serabiah, and Jeshua, the son of Kadbiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them to praise, to give thanks, according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. So, Davidic worship. Davidic worship was not something that was just instituted during David's time and then forgotten. This is considered a permanent part of Israel's worship system. Now, you've got the Mosaic worship system, and then added to that to supplement and complement because we have the building of the temple. Okay, before that, we just have the tabernacle in the wilderness. But as we begin to build the temple, and the Ark of the Covenant is brought to Jerusalem. Now, there's something added to the Mosaic worship system called the Davidic worship system. And this is where the, the music and the tambourines and the dancers and the singers, this is where all, all this beautiful worship takes place. In fact, in the rebuilt temple during the millennium, David is called the prince. And David will lead worship. Now, Jesus will be the king, but David is called the prince, and he will have a special entrance into the temple, and he will actually lead in worship. Now, that's something I'm looking forward to one day. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to meet King David and say, I want you to know I was named after you, and I want to be there while he leads us in the worship of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Ah, it's going to be good days. 
Mathaniah, Bakbukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmon, and Akub were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates. These were in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, the son of Jaazak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest and scribe. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in, in worship. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. There is good news for the captain. Good news for the Yeah. 
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, all right, this is their question. We know that all of us possess knowledge, and this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. All right, so knowledge is a source of pride and arrogance. Now, you have to be careful. I mean, please, I have no problem with, you know, learning. You know I believe in studying. You know I believe in learning. But have you ever heard about the educated elite and their arrogance as they look down their nose at everybody? Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. Love builds up. See, when you love people, you're always trying to help them. Knowledge is, look at what I know. Be quiet and listen to what I know. But love, how can I help you? How can I develop you? There's a difference. There's a huge difference between intellectual eliteness and intellectual arrogance and love. And Paul is dealing with this intellectual arrogance all through Athens and Corinth, this, this Greek culture. He said, if anyone imagines, that is a key word, imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. So you have to understand that knowledge is a door to learning, not the end. When you have learned your multiplication tables, that is not the end. That is just a door to now go on and learn fractions learn calculus, learn geometry. The, the, learning, your, your learning the multiplication tables is not the end. Well, look at me. I know the multiplication tables. Woo. That, that's not the end. That's, that just shows you that there's more to learn. See, th this is a big challenge that people have with knowledge sometimes. They, Paul said there are people that imagine that they know something. But he said, if they really knew it, they would understand that there's so much more that they don't know. But the fact that they're acting like they know it all, and here's, here's just really, have you heard people called know-it-alls? These are people who think they know it all. He said, if they imagine that they know something, he said, they don't know like they ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now there's a cool statement. How many of you love God? Okay. If you love God, God knows you. Ah, you need to meditate on that. Write in the column of your Bible, God knows me. He knows you down to the intimate details of the bottoms of your soul, okay? If you love God, you're known by God. I absolutely adore that thought. Remember all the times I taught you, just because you love him, there are things that happen just because you love him. Well, when you love him, God gets intimately acquainted with your life. Now tie that back into Psalms 91, if he loves me, the end of Psalms 91. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know, notice this is all knowing, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. We know two things. We know idols mean nothing. 
and we know that there is only one God. That's, that's what we know. We said, no question about it. Now, th this is why I, I don't get all upset with people and, and say we should do this and we should do that. These idols are irrelevant. Now, I would not have an idol in my home. I would not go to India and bring back the God of prosperity, which looks like a big elephant with arms coming out of it. I would not bring that back into my home. I have seen them, but I wouldn't bring them back into my home. When I was in Israel, I have a friend there who sells artifacts to me. And he said, I have the largest collection of Asherah, the, the, these demon idols from ancient Israel. He said, I have the largest collection in the nation. I'd like to sell it to you. I said, I don't want any Asherah poles in my house. I do not want any demon idols in my house. But at the same time, I'm not worried about what that demon idol can do because an idol has no real existence. Isaiah makes fun of them. He said, you, you take a piece of wood and you, you chop off one piece and you burn it in the fire and the other piece you carve and bow down and worship it. He, he, he makes fun of people. He said, you know, you have to take your idol out for a walk because it can't move around. So why do you pray and ask it to help you? He said, an idol has no real existence. He said, for although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, and indeed there are many what people call gods and many lords, Yet for us, there is one God, the Father. Everybody say, one God, one God. He said, I know there's lots of things people call gods, but they're not. There's one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Wow. All right, so God is creator. And God is sustainer. And Jesus is creator. <laughs> and Jesus is sustainer. He said, now listen, we all exist through Jesus. He said, the reason we continue to exist is Jesus. However, not all possess this knowledge. He said, there's a lot of people who don't understand this. But some, through their former association with idols before salvation, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So it's not that the, the idol is anything. The problem is in their conscience, the way they think about themselves. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. All right, so food is not relevant. If I eat a balut, it does not make change me spiritually. It's not good. It's not bad. He said, food does not change us spiritually. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, we've talked about these weak people before. He said, listen, you don't go out and do something because you understand, knowing that the conscience of that person is going to be defiled. Maybe they grew up worshiping Zeus. And every day of their life, they brought sacrifices to Zeus and brought this meat to Zeus and they sacrificed every piece of meat to Zeus and they ate it with thanksgiving to Zeus. And now you go to Zeus's temple and buy meat. Because oftentimes these ancient demon temples, they, they were like a market and they, they sold products, okay? This is meat that has been sacrificed to Zeus and blessed by Zeus. He said, now listen, you and I know it doesn't mean anything. 
doesn't mean a single thing. He said, but you know what? It might stumble the weak person, so don't do it. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? He said, you're going to make him go backwards. You're going to make them go backwards. He said, we don't make people go backwards spiritually. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. He said, we don't, we don't do things like this. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience. Wow. So this is a sin. When you, you purposely use your knowledge and your liberty and your freedom, and you know it's going to bother the person who's with you, and you do it anyway, you sin against them, you wound their conscience when it's weak, and thirdly, you sin against Christ. He said, listen, you've got to think about these people. He said, knowledge puffs up. He said, love builds up. He said, are, are you thinking about what you're doing? Mm. Therefore, if any food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, a good illustration of this is when we're in Israel, and I'm eating with someone who is a conservative Jew. And they ask me if I would like to eat something that I know is not kosher. I say, no, 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 let's go to a kosher restaurant. I'm not going to make them go have a pizza with me because that mixes meat and cheese. We're going to go to a kosher restaurant. I might want to eat shrimp, but I know that eating shrimp will cause them to stumble. So you and I have to understand we have to be cognizant of where people are coming from and what people's consciences are, are dealing with them about. And we have to understand we don't stumble our brothers because you're sinning against your brother, you're wounding their conscience, you're sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food makes your brother stumble, Paul said, I'll never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Paul said, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to go vegetarian. If eating meat stumbles my brother, I will be a vegetarian. I've had Indian families that I know do not eat meat at all. And some of them tell me, you know, Pastor Summer, it's wonderful. Go ahead and, and we'll have meat. And others say, Pastor Summer, can we just have a vegan meal? Can we have a vegetarian meal? I say, yeah, we can have tofu. And I love the spicy spinach. See, folks, at some point you just have to understand, we don't live for ourselves. We're always trying, love builds up. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us. Let's turn our attention now to a little bit of Proverbs for some wisdom before we close out today. Wisdom is still speaking now. This is Wisdom Speaks. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. So, before creation, wisdom was established. What God would call wisdom was established before creation. Now, do you remember the Chronicles of Narnia? Do you remember when Aslan said, there is a wisdom older? There's an old wisdom. You see, brothers and sisters, you have to understand 
that God established what he would consider wisdom. And wisdom is simply the application of facts, the right application of facts. God established the logic of the right application of facts before he began creation. This is why when you, you look around, wisdom does not change. Okay, God, God's, God's wisdom, God's wisdom is eternal. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Wisdom was before any of the rest of creation. Before he made the earth with its field, or the first of the dust of the world. Before God created the first of the dust of the world, he established wisdom. Now, now beloved, if you ever wonder why you should seek wisdom, you are dealing with something that is eternal and never changes. How do I think about this? How do I apply this? What do I do in this situation? That wisdom was created before this world and still stands today. Wow. You can go just wrap your brain about that one for a while today. All right, we're going to see you tonight back in the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll see you at 7 o'clock.